0: experience season two
1: let's go thanks for joining us for season two join the conversation with Matt Dez and friends as they share how to transform culture through family
0: hey guys welcome to the Matt and Dez experience I'm your co-host Matt Gonzalez and I'm your other co-host Desiree Gonzalez hey guys on today's episode we have two amazing and just great family friends of ours. Uh, On previous episodes, you guys have heard us talk about a man named Donnie Moore who led both my family and Dez's family into the kingdom. And uh, it was actually August 1994 on the 28th. I just actually recently celebrated my spiritual birthday. And it was because of this man of God and just the gift, the grace, and just His heart to love people like Christ loved, it transformed my whole family's life. It was at a time in my life where I was depressed. I actually was suicidal at that time Mm. because of the fact that my dream was to become a professional baseball player. At that time, knee injury, things began to happen in my life. And so I was so hopeless. And when when you're prepared your whole life for something that's taken away away from you, You feel like you have no purpose. So what's even the purpose to live, right? And so uh, at that time when I saw Donnie, it gave me hope because I just so remember the Lord saying, this is what I've created you to do. Donnie gave me permission. He gave me permission to pursue a model that I've never seen before of a person who was so in touch with God, so loved people and ministered in a way that just... Uh, Caused you to open up and feel so known by God. And so uh, he deeply touched in my heart, yeah. and your heart does. And yeah. I know this month it is Suicide Awareness Month. So we're going to talk about how this has impacted. Uh, our guest today, both his daughter, uh, Brooke Moore, and his wife, Cindy Moore. And so, uh, Dez, we're really excited about this episode. Yes,
2: indeed. We are excited. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We are so honored to have you both here with thank us today. Us. You know, I've told Donnie this many times and told you guys that we are obviously deeply grateful and eternally grateful for the legacy that Donnie um, You know, left, but also what you guys are continuing on. Ah, And we want to begin to talk about that. But I I just want to share one quick story. Like Matt said, um, Donnie played a huge role in not just us personally, but our whole families. And, you know, my dad was on your guys ministry board, still is for over 30 years. And so we've definitely had, um, connection for a long time and through every important, um, decision, life transition in our life. Donnie was always a part of that in our family. And so it's, it's so much deeper than just, you know, I was led to the Lord by this man. It's, that's obviously a huge part of it that I'm grateful for, but it was, it was so much more than that. He was an uncle to me. And, um, you know, one of the probably most recent memories that I had the honor to experience with Donnie was, um actually my first funeral I performed as a minister, um, for my grandmother. And, um, uh, he actually came as a surprise because he had a very close relationship with my grandfather and he didn't realize he was going to come. And so just like Donnie style, he was like, well, I'm going to surprise him, you know? And so he shows up and we're, we're surprised that he's coming. (laughs) And so, but this is my very first funeral that I'm doing and I'm a nervous wreck. I'm like, and especially it's my family member. I'm like, this is, this is hard, you know? And just the moment I Mm -hmm. saw Donnie, I was like, my heart was put at ease Mm -hmm. and I felt so much peace. And before I went out to go share at the funeral, Donnie had pulled me aside and we prayed and he said, I'm here to back you up. Like he said, I'm here to support you. And just having him right next to me on the stage gave me so much courage wow. that I could do it. Aww. And wow. his presence was was so important. And it was wow. so, it meant so much to our family to have him there. And Aww. so I'm so glad that I have that. Wow. You know, as Matt mentioned, you know, this is... Suicide Prevention Awareness Month and and we really want to talk about that and We would love for you guys to share some of your journey that you've experienced with this topic
1: um, We lost my dad to suicide June 1st 2018 and we so and Your guys' philosophy of starting a conversation and we want to talk that. we want to talk about suicide and we want to talk about mental health and mental health, and those in ministry. You know, my dad was in ministry. He was an amazing, amazing person, an amazing father. And yet he struggled. And I think that there needs to be more of a conversation about that.
3: And I agree. We, in 2008, is when we, I think about it in a way where it's like we fell into the pool of mental illness. Mm. You know, just like most people, unless you've experienced mental issues or a diagnosis you really don't understand it and i did not yeah. understand it donnie had he was very strong he could bench press 500 pounds working out was his hobby he loved to weightlift. we had a gym that we had at our home and he loved having young people come over and work out we've trained our high school baseball team our high school softball team <laughs> Young guys that just wow. wanted to be around him. He worked out a lot also because um, we put high school assemblies on. Um, yeah. We He had a team, and they did feats of strength, and they spoke in public high schools all over the United States as well as many um, Christian schools. Mm. So he had to work out, and he loved mentoring young men. Um, he was hoping one day to have a female on his team, but... <laughs> um anyway so he decided in 2008 to um to sign up to be in a bench press contest because he wanted to break the world record for bench press for people over 50 wow (laughs) come on and so he did he signed up and as part of that he decided to take some over-the-counter supplements Uh. part of donnie's testimony is that when he became a believer, it was after he had taken steroids yeah. as he played football at the University of the Pacific, and he had taken some steroids because he, was trying, he wanted to have a tryout for one of the professional teams. And he overdosed on the steroids, wow. and he almost died. Shortly after that, he gave his heart to the Lord. Mm. So now here we are, and that was in 1982, here we are in 2008 and he wanted to win this bench press contest. So he went down to the local store and got supplements. Unbeknownst to him, the supplements were tainted. Mm -hmm. There were steroids in it. It destabilized him. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And what we didn't know at the time but became part of my dad's story is how sensitive he is Mm -hmm. to different medications, supplements, Um, he doesn't respond well to a lot of them.
3: Right. So what happened was, He became very clinically depressed. He did win the bench press contest, but he also became clinically depressed. And we spent the next 10 months trying to find somebody who could tell us what was wrong. We had a friend at the time say, well, he needs a psychiatrist. That was like a foreign word to me. I'm like, psychiatrist? Who goes to the psychiatrist? (laughs) (laughs) And... So I re- I rejected that idea because, like most people who are unfamiliar with mental yeah. health, a psychiatrist is for crazy people, yes. right? Yeah, right. And I mean, I feel differently now, but um, he anyway he we had doctors putting him on different medications, which, as Brooks said, he didn't respond well to. Wow. So it was a months of going up and down and up and down. He s- wasn't working. And because he couldn't. And finally, 10 months later, we found a neurologist and we went to see this neurologist and he was fabulous. He knew exactly how to, he diagnosed him correctly and he got him on a protocol of medications. I know a lot of people are afraid of that and they need to be used Cautiously and wisely Mm -hmm. and from a doctor who specializes in mental health, not just any doctor. That's my opinion, just from experience. And so he gradually came out of the depression. Um, One day we were at his neurologist. He was making adjustments and he said, Donnie, if you would get cognitive behavioral therapy, it will help change your brain chemistry. Wow. So Donnie did that. He, um, we had been seeing a marriage, we started seeing a marriage therapist and we had been married about 25, 26 years at the time. And so our marriage therapist started doing cognitive behavioral therapy with him, which really is like Romans 12. It's a renewing of the mind. It's changing the way we think and it's hard work. You know, I just want to pause here real quick. Part of my story, part of the reason we share this story is when we want to open the conversation. And I want to say that people who battle mental struggles are brave and courageous. They get up every single day. And they put their feet on the floor and they get through the day. And Donnie came to me one day just a few years ago. He he was doing really well, and he had been teaching a Bible study to athletes on courage. Mm -hmm. And he said, I've asked the guys to share what's the most courageous thing they've done. So I'm going to ask you, what is the most courageous thing I've done? And I told him the most courageous thing that you've done is you took responsibility for your mental health. You went to marriage counseling with me, and you did cognitive behavioral therapy. And he did that. And part of our story is that it helped him so that he was able to be on the absolute lowest amount of medication that his doctor gave him. And his doctor was so pleased because wow. he was doing so well. Yep. Um, Ten years later, so he was doing very well. He worked hard and we worked together. It was a team effort. Mm-hmm. I didn't leave him hanging out there all by himself, but we actually worked as a team um, with his mental health. I learned everything I could about it. And um, anyway, we worked together. I'm not saying it was easy, but we did it, yeah. 10 years later in 2018, the depression came back. Um, Donnie had some different things he was dealing with, different battles he was fighting, and um, the depression came back we went to the doctor and the doctor wanted to give him what he gave him in 2008, but Donnie didn't want to take it Mm. because one of the side effects is it gives you carb cravings. He was afraid he would gain weight Mm. and he was trying to really take care of his heart. Mm. Mm -hmm. So he didn't want to take it. So his doctor gave him something new that Donnie had never taken before. And, um, Then he added something else to it and, um, it caused him to go into a suicidal depression. And as a result of that, sadly, he took his life.
0: Wow. You know, um, for those listening right now, we want to have this conversation because first of all, I want to say thank you guys Mm -hmm. once again for coming on this episode because, you know, we know the impact And I know you guys do know of how many, I I, I could just, I mean, I can count on my hand. I can keep counting. I don't have enough hands. I'm thinking of all the people who've been deeply impacted by Donnie's ministry, by his life, who have come into the kingdom. And what I appreciate about this episode that we're getting in is that, you know, a lot of times topics like this, we don't talk about in church because there is this facade that you have to be perfect that you like you said earlier that was so interesting cindy like psychiatrist what you're a christian why would you go to a psychiatrist or why would you go to counseling or why would you you know there, there's this facade in this lie that as a leader as a minister as a person in the body of christ that you have to be perfect right that you have to put on this facade and, 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 uh, you know, in the system and in, in the structure that we have many times in Christianity, mm-hmm. it's like, we don't know because of that, how many people have different struggles or are right. dealing with, you know, depression, right. Right? right there. It's like, it's not been a safe place. Yeah. No. And because where there's not a safe place, people don't get an opportunity to have these conversations And so we want to have this conversation today so that you, the listener, will have permission that if you can relate to some of the things that are happening right now, uh, depression, discouragement, you know, just even some mental health, that you would have the courage to be able to reach out and do something about it. So with that said, I know we have some questions for you guys that we'd like to ha- ask you guys a day and have a conversation about this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know, Cindy, you had kind of mentioned that you guys were in it together. It, yeah. This isn't just about Donnie. It's about yes. how it impacted you as a spouse, how it impacted you as his daughter and, and your other two children. And and so I would love to ask you, Brooke, to kind of start it off. Um As a daughter, um, you know, you were in this too. And so I would love to hear kind of your journey. How did you process this? What have you learned um, in the process? And anything else you want to share on that?
1: When this all happened in 2008, it was really big for me as well. Because my whole life, um, I had battled, I still battle, really, really um, sometimes debilitating anxiety. (laughs) And growing up in church and ministry, a lot of times it was just chalked up to fear. Yep. There really was no, like my yeah. mom said, we didn't have any mental health terminology for it. So in 2008, when my dad went through what he went through, um, I, I just, I have to say here before I even go on to how it affected me, how much I respected him getting help. Mm. The one thing I always say about my dad, I respected him so much, not because he was perfect, but when he saw that something could be corrected or fixed or done better, he did better. Wow. So he went and he got help and that opened the door for me then to be able to go to the neurologist and me to go to a counselor and me to address my issues because now my family had an understanding of mental health. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. We had a conversation that was going, it's safe in my family to be able to talk about our struggles or our diagnoses and it's talked about with no shame. And another thing is it, it's no indication of my faith. Mm-hmm. A lot of times growing up, I felt like, oh, I have this anxiety. I have fear. There's something wrong with me. I'm failing. I'm not praying enough. And really, it's just something going on in my biology. Right. So my dad got, got help. And not only did him going to therapy help him in my mom's relationship, but it helped my relationship with my dad. My dad came and he sat down with me and he said, you know, I know I haven't been the perfect father. And I would like to take this opportunity to apologize. Wow. And he said, I would like you to share with me anything I've done. I was 18 years old at the time that have hurt you. And I would like to make it right. Mm. And for the last 10 years of my dad's life, I had such a beautiful relationship with my father. Because there was so much openness and this difficult time that, that happened where my dad got his diagnosis. And I was able to get my diagnosis. Wow. There was so much healing that happened after that.
0: Wow. That is. So, you know, one of the things that stands out to me right now, Brooke, that you said is that your dad's courage to get out of the norm of what maybe was taught as a minister. You know, uh, I grew up in the, a very, you know, we grew up in the same circle. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's one of the things where you stay quiet. right? You, you just be strong for everybody. And if you're dealing with mental stuff, it's like you don't talk about it because it's either super spiritual, like, oh, you need deliverance or there's something here or it's, you know, hey, you don't show that weak side because if you show that weak side, it's going to be used against you. So you got to be strong. But I love what you said was that his courage gave you permission to be able to go and deal with something that anxiety yeah. That, you, that you had dealt with. And I love that because of the fact that, you know, by him stepping outside of the box, stepping outside and saying, hey, it's just who I am. You said this is who your father is. He's always, he was always that, right, gave yeah. permission. I think my question for you and both of you guys I know um, at this time is for those listening right now, right, I know you had talked about that, hey, biological, Yeah. Stuff going on in my body. Right. I'm not carrying the guilt and the shame of it. You know, it allowed me to pursue it. Um, You know, I would like to have a conversation. I know before we entered into the recording this in the studio, we were having some really good conversations. And you said a phrase that hit me so hard that out of uh, the 2008 situation, uh, your dad really had an encounter with the grace and love of God. And he said a statement that just rocked me. And would you share that statement and then share a little bit about what, how that kind of unfolded in, uh, in this journey for you guys?
1: My dad had a lot of revelations that came out of 08. And yeah. one was his understanding of the love of God. And one of the things that came out of that was he said, you know, there's nothing that you did or that he did. You know, he said, there's nothing I did that caused God to start loving me. And there's Mm. nothing that I could do to make him stop. Mm. And his whole idea of any works-based theology really changed. Wow! He shared a story with me around the time that he sat and had that conversation where he wanted to apologize Mm. about how when he was in college, he was playing football. And he had thrown for four touchdowns, and he had had a really good game. And he called his dad after the game, and he said you know, dad, this is what happened. I threw for these touchdowns. And he was expecting a congratulations, a great job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the response he got was, if you had done A, B, or C, you know, you could have had that fifth touchdown. And my dad realized that he had lived most of his life chasing that fifth touchdown. And he even said to me in that conversation that he apologized for parenting me out of that, that works-based theology. Wow. And he had realized that he had been trying to earn the love of God wow. instead of just receiving it. And there was an authenticity that came out of that time where it went from, you know, if I do a B or C, God will be happy with me. Or even the whole blame game of, okay, because I struggle, because I have a diagnosis because sometimes my brain doesn't do what I want it to do. There's something wrong with me or God's mad at me. And that's not the case. Like I said before, it's biology. Just like if I had diabetes and I had to take insulin, I wouldn't feel bad about that. No Mm -hmm. one in the church would shame me for it. It's just my body, I'm in a body that is not perfect and it's having an issue in the same way. That's what I hope it will eventually be with anything in the mind.
0: Wow, wow, wow.
1: I'm just having an issue and I need to address it the same way I would anything else in my body without shame and without judgment.
3: You know, while you're talking about that, Brooke, I just wanna say In talking about biology, we're also not discounting the spiritual battle that goes on. You know, I believe that when the enemy sees us weak in our mind, he comes on strong. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's both. We're battling both. And this is where no judgment comes. I remember um, shortly, I don't know, I'm not sure how long, but there was a point after Donnie was back in the pulpit and preaching, that he began to share about his battle with depression. He decided just to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I remember he came home one time. He said, wow. He said, I shared about the battle I had with depression. You can't believe how many people came up to me at the altar wow. thanking me. I can't believe how many people are struggling with depression. Wow. And he said, I, when people used to come up to me, and say they're struggling with depression i saw it differently mm. you know i thought well get it together he said but now that i've been through it it's not that easy you know and i have more compassion wow and it opened the conversation when he shared from the pulpit it people didn't feel judged they didn't feel yeah. like they were condemned yeah like there's something wrong with them yep you know yeah it's so good
0: you know what i find so interesting yeah. Was that in 2008, after he came out of this season, just the revelation he was walking in and, and the fact, you know, uh, the understanding of God's love and grace and how that so gave so many people permission, because I think you said it a few minutes ago, Brooke, was that there was this uh, performance work uh, system structure. And so in that system, there really is no place or permission for not only just authenticity, but to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm dealing with some mental health. I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with discouragement. And so it almost adds not only uh, that which you're dealing with, but it adds loneliness. It's like, who can I trust? Who, Who can I really open up to that can get some real help? And I love the fact that the message that Donnie ran with after that season. I I remember we actually had him at innovation church. It was actually that he came out and spoke on a Sunday. He actually spoke that message and the actual tangible uh, breakthrough and just even impartation that happened in the meeting set so many people free and so I think that is just amazing even uh, those who are listening to be able to have the opportunity that, hey, if, if, you, uh, if you grew up in church, you grew up in a very religious system, maybe work environment where you feel like you don't have a safe place that you can be honest. Like, hey, I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with uh, suicidal thoughts. I'm dealing with discouragement. Uh, we really hope that today from uh, Donnie's story and from uh, his daughter and his wife today, that you would have the necessary keys to have the courage to step out and not be afraid to share that which you're just kind of been dealing with.
1: And I think the more that people share, the more openness it is, the more it's brought out and into the open, it, it takes the stigma away yes one of the best things that happened for me is i found this website called the mighty where um different people share their stories wow and when i read it and i read other people's symptoms or other people's stories i can't tell you the the freedom and the peace it brought me because it's like i'm not alone come on Mm -hmm. other people are struggling and i feel like it's sad that in the church or in religious circles that's the place where it's toughest to talk about mm-hmm. when that should be the place where there's the most grace <sighs> and there's the most love wow. and we should have our arms the most open yep. yes. I think that a lot of times you know and I shared this with you earlier in the office but different times I've struggled I've, I've never struggled with not having any faith at all but sometimes I've struggled with the institution Wow. and sometimes it creates an environment where people don't feel safe yeah after my dad's suicide the people i was most afraid to talk to were christians (sighs) and i think that we just really need i don't i don't even have a word for it revamp a a, something where we need more openness yeah Mm
3: -hmm. it's easy to feel alone both when you're walking through depression you're walking with someone who's battling depression yeah it's, and after the suicide of a loved one, because people don't understand. And I'm sure I've been one of those people. And yeah. sometimes it takes the experience to really understand. And it, it's easy to feel alone because you don't know who you can talk to. You don't know who is safe. Right. I had a, a leader walk up to me. It was shortly after Donnie had stabilized, somebody that Donnie, would have had to yeah. answer to. How's Donnie, is he fine? Well, there was no way I was gonna say anything, but oh yes, he's fine. Because what would they have done if I wow. said no? I couldn't be honest like that, yep. you know? Even walking through it with Donnie, when, when the significant other is helping, I'm his wife, I had children yeah. also, and I'm walking with Donnie through his depression, now I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And I feel all alone because I have no one in this with me, although I did have a handful of people. I, your dad, Desi, was fabulous, you know, like Brooke was saying, he was at the house quite a bit, you know, helping us and, and a couple other friends that really were there for us. Um, but generally,
1: I, I wanted to protect Donnie because yeah. people don't yep. understand, Yep. you know, Along those lines, I think that sometimes there's concern for the quote-unquote ministry or the institution, yes. and not necessarily concern for the person. That's good. Yes. And my mom had said earlier um, about how so many people wanted my dad better so he could get back, back in the pulpit, so the ministry would be okay. Yeah. But very few people, you know, mm. came to my mom and wanted my dad better for the sake of him wow. or our family, yeah. and. Does your dad? I remember. I was a senior in high school at the time. I remember the people that cared about me and my mom and my sister and my brother. And your dad was one of those. He was at the house, mm-hmm. and he was making sure we were okay. And he he cared about my dad because it was his friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wanted him to get better for no other reason. Yeah. And we had our other friend, Pastor from Porterville. She came and she took me shopping for a prom dress. And I guess I just want to take a moment to say people remember who was there when they struggled. Come on. As a kid growing up in ministry, I remember the people that cared about the ministry. And I remember the people that cared about me. Wow! And I think there's something to authentically caring about people Mm. and loving them. And I think sometimes the verbiage in the church can be you know, how's your walk with the Lord, or how's your this, or how's your that. And we don't just have normal verbiage of how are you? Yeah, I'm so sorry, you're struggling. I'm so sorry that you're depressed. What, what can I do? And I think that that's a a level of authenticity that needs to be there is, I think we need to care about people for no other reason than they have value as a person. Wow, so good. I remember one of my friends, my friend Lisa, I remember at one
3: point she called me every single morning. We would drop our boys off at school. It's just a phone call. How you doing? We'd talk, and then we'd end up laughing. Wow. Laughing, because I needed to laugh. And, you know, in our family, we were such a mocking family. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie had a Come fabulous on. sense of humor, and he well, would I'm even right. laugh at himself. And so we... One of the best things for us was to just laugh, you know? Yeah. And, but it helped me because I could, I knew someone was going to check on me. Wow. You know, it wasn't like this mighty spiritual. It was a conversation. Yeah. Someone yes. checked on me.
1: And I got off the phone in a better mood. And I think that it's okay to not have the answer. You don't have to have the answer to be there for someone. Yes. So, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. After my dad's suicide... I there were so many emotions and things I'm still walking through. I didn't want people to have, or still don't want people to have answers. Yeah. But I remember the people that just sat there silently. And so I think that sometimes it's intimidating for people who don't understand because you don't know what to say. You You don't want to say the wrong thing. And sometimes just being there is enough. And I think in religious circles, sometimes it's that pressure of, we're supposed to have the answer or we're supposed to have heard it's okay. You don't have to have the answer to be there.
0: You know what I love about this conversation? I remember growing up in church being taught that suicide is evil. I have had to learn, relearn that it's not an evil thing. It's something that takes place and it happens different with every person. But I think we need to be able to have these conversations because many times when we label something evil, then what happens when somebody's dealing with that, they now become evil, right? And 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 there's a label, there's a stigma that is put on the person. And so not only now are you dealing with suicide, depression, but now you have guilt, you have shame, you have isolation from the institution that you're a part of and the people that you've impacted.
1: Yeah. And I just want to interject there because I can relate to what you're saying. Receiving the call that my dad died by suicide was devastating in itself. Mm. You know, I loved my dad. I'm going to try not to get emotional. Um, and then there's this other wave that came of knowing the judgment that was coming next. One of the things about when you have a parent that is in ministry and it's someone that people think a lot of, they forget sometimes that they're human. (laughs) We're all human. We all struggle no matter our position. I mean, if you look at the 12 apostles, Jesus, he works with people who struggle. He works (laughs) with our humanness. And I remember the next morning, it was the day after, so I received the call in the morning about my dad. I came home. The next morning, I remember opening up the email. And I, I checked the ministry email because I didn't want my mom have, to have to that day. And the first email I opened to was something very ugly that somebody said. And I was sitting there and I was in tears. And oh. my dad's dear friend, who's also a um, great evangelist, great pastor, someone I just think a lot of, I was sitting there crying and he looked at me and he said, you will not walk in shame over this. He said, your dad dying by suicide? he said is no different than if he had a heart attack. He said, if he had a heart attack, everyone would just say, you know what? His heart failed. He died by suicide and you know what happened? His brain failed. And it's just like any other organ that fails us. You know, because of the medication he was on, it altered his brain. And I remember thinking, I'm not. I'm not gonna be in shame. And when people ask me how my dad died, I'm gonna tell the truth because if I lie, I'm, one, I refuse to be ashamed of my dad. I refuse to have this idea that how he died somehow takes away from the beautiful life he lived. I won't live that way. I will tell the truth, and I will tell the truth with my head held high because I want to take the shame out of it and the stigma out of it for those of us that are survivors of losing a loved one to suicide.
0: You guys, um, oh, man, Brooke, like... I just feel, uh, I I feel the presence of God so strong right now. And those of you who are listening to this episode that you have been deeply impacted or have known somebody who have uh, passed away due to suicide, you know, I really believe that there is freedom in what Brooke just said, that you do not have to carry the shame of that, that just, I love the analogy of a heart failure, and just what you what you said is so freeing. What I want to ask both you guys, and, and specifically you, Cindy, for those who are listening, that uh, maybe have a loved one, a friend, family member that they maybe have a sense that may be dealing with deep depression, suicidal thoughts. Now, being on this side, are there signs that we could? look for, for those who are our friends, loved ones that could actually tell us, Hey, they're dealing with this. So we need to step in, or there's something that we can do to help them in uh, this process.
3: I want to preface this by saying sometimes there are no signs. Wow. Um, a lot of the signs we posted in our newsletter, the warning signs A lot of them have to do with depression, but sometimes when somebody is talking about wanting to die, they might just out of the blue, talk about, you know, arrangements, or can you cremate, or I just want to die. Um, Sometimes they might start giving things away. They might be sleeping a lot, not sleeping enough.
1: A lot of the quote unquote signs with my dad were seen in hindsight. So after it happened, we could look back and we went, we should have seen this, we should have seen that. But in the real time that it was happening, we missed them because they weren't obvious until after the fact.
3: And part of the topic of suicide prevention, which can be really hurtful for someone like us who are surviving, because it can feel like maybe we dropped the ball, because we already feel... Like, oh, I should have done this, or yeah. I, I could have done that. But sometimes there are no signs. But after the fact, we did see things. But I, what I want to say is don't be afraid. If you even suspect your loved one might be thinking about it, it's just to ask. Yeah, Just to talk to them. Talk to them. Ask them, how are you doing? Are you thinking of taking your life? Or how does it feel? to be you how does it what are you feeling in your head right now talk to them about it do you have a plan if they say well i was thinking about it do you have a plan start the conversation i also want to say if you don't know what to do you can call the suicide lifeline and they will tell you what to do wow And for some, there are people who might be afraid because they think you're going to lock them up. They, and just because somebody now it's really common for people to think about, about it, but never do it. They just might think, Oh, I should just take my life, but they're never going to carry it out. There are a lot of people who actually do think of suicide as just a backup, but they'll never do it. So, and I, but we still need to take it seriously each time and we need to talk to them
1: and, I don't know if I've answered your question. No, that, yes, Um,
0: that that has answered my question.
1: I just want to say never be afraid to err on the side of caution. Never be afraid to call the suicide hotline. Don't be afraid to seek professional help. If you're concerned about your loved one, err on the side of caution, call. Mm -hmm. I always say information is power. The more information we get, the more we know how to proceed. The other thing I want to say too, as someone who, you know, I shared that I've battled debilitating anxiety at different points in my life. I've also had bouts of depression. One of the things I want to say to anyone that is battling depression, or maybe you've had a really low spot, ask for help. There's no shame in it. Yeah. I've had to ask for help multiple times in my life for my mental yeah. well-being. It's not something I share often, but I, I want to share now. It's okay. You're not a weak person. It doesn't make you weak to need help. It makes you brave. The tricky thing with depression or when you hit a low spot is it feels like it's going to last forever. Mm. You get to a point where you can't remember what it felt like to feel good. And you think that it's never going to end. And one of the things I had a counselor tell me is you felt good before, you will feel good again. Uh And so now when I have different times where, you know, I'm really struggling, I remember that it's going to pass. And to hold on to that because had I not held on to that philosophy, now I was doing the work, I was going to counseling, I was doing what I needed to do, I I was being proactive, but had I not held on to that belief that it was going to pass, there's so many great things I would have missed in my life, you know, and I want to see that suicide is a complicated issue, you know, there's different factors that go into it, like with my dad, you know, the role of a wrong medication played a part. So I'm, I'm, no, I'm in no way simplifying the subject. But I just want to say from my personal experience, if you are struggling, ask for help because it can and it will get better.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I remember when we originally had this talk, you said that I believe some of the strength that you have right now, even in that, is you said your dad did something for you. He would come home and like Mo said, like, I'm a father. I come home and I'm always telling my daughters, you're so beautiful. Yeah. But it didn't just stop there. There was something your dad taught you and said to you that I believe has given you. Can you share that real quick?
1: Yeah. My dad always told me I was tough. <sighs> he always did. He told me I was tough. He told me I was going to make it. I recently shared a story with my mom at uh, it's funny how now that my dad's gone, I, there's different things that really impacted me that I didn't realize impacted me. I was probably seven or eight years old, and we had a rule in the house that every summer you had to play a sport. Pick the sport, any sport. And I wanted to change sports because my older cousin was, and I did whatever she did because I thought she was, you know, <laughs> awesome. And I went to my dad. I said, I don't want to be a competitive swimmer anymore. I want to do a different sport. And my dad said, okay, well, go pick and let me know. So my cousin was going to be a cheerleader. So I went to my dad and I said, I want to be a cheerleader. And I am in no way when I tell the story knocking cheerleaders because, you know, they're competitive cheerleaders and they're like gymnasts. The particular brand of cheerleading that I was going to my dad and saying I wanted to do was not going to be competitive or gym-like in any way. And I went and I told my dad and my dad looked at me and he said, why? And I said, because I want to. And he said, why do you want to stand on the sidelines and cheer someone else on playing the sport when you could play the sport yourself. Wow! And my dad always treated me, and especially, and I want to be careful when I say this, but it's true. In some religious circles, women are not necessarily um, seen as equals, which is a, a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I won't get into it. But my dad always treated me that I was capable, that I was strong, that I could do it, and he made me believe that I had a place on the field and that no matter what happened or what anyone said to me, I belonged there, I could be there, it was fine. And I realized that my dad told me I was tough more than he told me that I was beautiful. And on the days that I have not wanted to get out of bed since he's been gone, it's not him telling me I was beautiful that makes me want to get up. It's him making me believe that I'm tough and that I'm strong. And it's that strength that he instilled in me that there have been some really low days but i have this real in my head of that i can do it that i can get up that i can face the day that maybe this bout of anxiety isn't is really bad today but it's not forever and i'm so grateful for my dad giving that to me
3: in talk he lived it he did get up when he battled depression, even in the last months before he died, he would be depressed. He would get up and go speak on Sunday. Wow. He, he was tough, you know, but he was also sensitive and human and susceptible. Yeah. And sometimes people say, well, you didn't pray enough. We were praying. We were praying. And there are just some things we don't have the answer to.
2: That's right. Yeah.
3: And I have to be
2: okay with that. Wow. You know? Wow. Because so good. God is good. Come yeah. On. Wow. You guys have shared so much. And we just thank you guys for just being real. You're off yes. insisting your vulnerability. Unfortunately, I don't know that it's very common to hear. I, I, I have never heard someone's story in such a real way that you guys have shared, but that has brought not only hope and courage, but you, I believe, put some real tools into some people's hands today. And so I just so thank you guys for being on. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, I know you guys had mentioned a few different um, websites that people that may be dealing with depression um, or thoughts of, of taking their life Um, Is there any other resources that you have found along the way that have been helpful to you that you can share with the listener? Maybe they're dealing with that with themselves or maybe one of their loved ones that would be of aid to them.
3: Um, We didn't use websites for being concerned about suicide because we didn't know. But I know NAMI, the National Association for Mental Health, has a lot of information um, a website that I found really, really helpful after Donnie died, and I still, f- I still go. It's called the Alliance of Hope, and it's for wow. survivors of suicide. I, it, you know, nobody understands like those who are in there with you. Yeah. And I didn't feel alone. I would. They have a forum. They have different topics and and people are on there to help you and you can just read and that's what i did and it helped me it helped me not feel alone yeah um i read a lot of books to help me too
0: wow so good
1: i think the one that i shared that i looked at is the mighty that is just because I, reading other people's stories helped me to not feel so alienated because it's not always something people share so openly in person. Um, I would say though, if you go and read the stories, never self-diagnose, always go see a professional. That's something I want to put out there, but also don't discount therapy and don't discount it. If the first time you go, it's not great. I have a wonderful therapist. That's good. Yeah, I have a wonderful, but you know what? I had to go to two, I have three other therapists. I just went for one appointment and it didn't really work out when I went a few times. And then I found the one I have now and she's great. And it's just like anything. Some people don't click. It's not the right fit. So don't go once. And if it didn't work, never go again.
2: It's good advice.
1: Be willing to give it a try, maybe with a different therapist. And also don't leave just because you don't. They're, they're asking you hard questions because, <laughs> you know, for me, I'm not naturally a vulnerable person. Even doing yeah. this podcast is very <laughs> out of my comfort zone. But I, you know, I believe passionately in making talking about mental health wow. an okay thing.
0: So good. So, so good. good. Wow. Well, this has been so good today. Uh, do you guys have any last thoughts you'd like to leave the listener today?
1: That's a really intimidating question because <laughs> mental health, the topic of suicide, the stigma, all of it, it's so big. Yeah, It's really hard to cover everything in one podcast. Yep. And so I don't want you to feel anyone listening that we've covered everything or that necessarily we have all the answers. We're on this journey. Yeah. So we're not, we're simply sharing our journey and what we're going through. Everyone's journey is going to be different. Yeah. And we're just hoping that being open with ours as we seek out more information and more answers that maybe other people will feel that it's okay to talk about their journey.
0: That's so good.
1: I just want to say that you are not alone. I know
3: you feel alone, but you're not alone. Um, I remember reading the gospels one time and Jesus said, you, he was saying to the apostles, you have been my friends through these trials I've had. And I, it, I thought Jesus had trials yeah. and when he was in the garden he said stay with me you're not alone it's So good. Um, there's help there is help out there
1: yeah. um, and you're not the only one
3: this
0: is so good you're so not the
1: only one. in this day and age of everything being virtual I know that it's hard with COVID, and but once things open up again I encourage connecting with real people In real ways. That's good. My dad said something that has stuck with me after he's gone. It's never his life been more documented and less lived. Mm. And I feel like mental health has been on the decline for so many reasons. We have so many things thrown in our faces and we're, really disconnected from people in a lot of ways through social media although you know social media does a lot of good there are negative sides of it and so i just know that for me for my mental health getting connected with people in person real people in a real way has has been something that has been really healing for me even if it's
3: one person all you need is one person that's so good and um yeah
0: wow yeah
3: getting connected (laughs)
0: Like you guys said, this is such a big topic. We'd have to have you guys on another episode to continue the conversation. But thank both of you guys for being on the episode today. This topic is so big. We had to, to do another episode with you guys. Hey, we really appreciate you guys being on today. Uh, is there a, a way that the listener can continue to connect with you guys, a website, or if they have questions and they'd like to reach out to you guys? Or even if they
2: want to support your ministry,
0: yes. we would love
2: for you guys to share.
3: We have our two, we have an Instagram account, a Donnie Moore Ministries Instagram, a Donnie Moore Ministries Facebook. We do have our website, which we are working on updating. It okay. hasn't been updated in a couple of years, but it's Donnie Moore Ministries dot Okay. If you want to email What's our email?
1: You can submit an email through the website. It's also admin at donnymoreministries dot org. Awesome. Um, we still have everything still called Donnie Moore Ministries. Just like we shared, it's a journey. Yeah. You yes. know, so as my mom walks this journey, we're hoping she's hoping to use the ministry to really encourage, encourage. and bring up the topic of mental health and still, so you know, reach youth the way my dad did. But the changes that we make will be slow awesome. because it's we're slow grieving yeah. like. Like anyone would be in this situation. So be patient. Well, if you guys
0: like to get in contact with them, they'll be in the show notes. Make sure to check the links. Once again, guys, this has been such, such an amazing treat. If this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to share it, subscribe. And would you share this with a friend or family member, especially this episode? If you know somebody who has actually dealt with uh, any form of depression, discouragement, or have lost a lost one due to suicide, make sure to share this episode with them. Till next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. And this is Desiree Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed.